0: Welcome to Centra Scripts. Here we talk about health, wellness, and practical tips for your everyday life. I'm your host, Cammy Smith. Hi, and welcome to Centra Scripts. My name is Cami Smith, and I am your host. And I am here today with Dr. Travis Engel, who is the chair of pediatrics here at Centra. And we are going to dive into the, the fact, the fiction, all of the things we need to know about R.S.V. Um, because it is sweeping across not just our community it's sweeping across the nation we're kind of at a critical point and so um, we're gonna have you share all of your wisdom with us but before we dig into that why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and what brought you here to centra
1: yeah absolutely so um my wife and i and our three kids actually relocated back in july uh, for this position um, I graduated in Liberty University's first medical school class. Um, Very cool. It was here from 2014 to 2018. Okay. And we always knew this was a place we kind of wanted to come back to. But mm-hmm. after that, briefly stopped in Chicago for three years and did my residency there in northern Chicago, which was a great experience. And then uh, I have some additional fellowship training in pediatric critical care, uh, okay. which I got at Children's Mercy um, in Kansas City, Missouri, okay. which is an amazing hospital. So wow. the ability to wrap that experience back up and come back here and work here in the community that really kind of started my medical education is, is a really neat. And um, it's an exciting time for our family. So,
0: so you love the Lynchburg area. Great place for a family. What are some of your favorite things about Lynchburg?
1: Oh my goodness. The view. I mean, I, I I always tell people you can't, there's really just not a bad place to look in in the city, you know, not, um, and also getting to really re-engage with the medical students over at Liberty okay. and kind of um, start giving back to that school that, like I said, launched my medical career um, has been really incredible.
0: neat. So do you go You go back? Do you? Oh, that's right. You yeah. said you, you teach there. Yeah.
1: So I'm actually okay. uh, adjunct faculty over at the medical school now. So it's really kind of come full circle for us. Wow. Um, it's been really great. And I think a lot of people... Don't realize here in the community that we actually have kind of an academic medical center. Right. I mean, yeah, we really do. We have medical students, PA students, nursing students, and we're doing a lot of medical education there. So,
0: yeah, that's really cool. So why Centra?
1: Um, well, I mean, number one, the area. Right. I think we wanted to come back to this area. Number two, um, just so I, I would really. Uh, emphasize, like, the culture of yes there. There's a lot of programs and a lot of things I wanted to do Mm -hmm. when I came back to Centra and a lot of things I wanted to bring back with me. Mm -hmm. And the organization as a whole has been super enthusiastic about engaging kind of on all fronts, Um, in addition to the fact that I think there is such a community need to have a a pediatric um, resource like Centra for pediatric inpatient care here so that um, families don't have to go 45 minutes to an hour away
0: to get pediatric
1: care. So that's really important to me, keeping families close to home, getting them better here, Mm -hmm. not sending them an hour away for for services that we can offer easily in this community. So
0: I love hearing your passion behind that. And so um, here we are talking about RSV. And and if you go on social channels, if you go on your Instagram, your Facebook at any point in time, um, it's it's everywhere. You have parents asking for tips. What do I do? My child. This is my child's symptoms. Asking the internet, you know, how, what, yeah. do, how do I best care for my family? And so we would love to get your perspective on that. And so just by definition, for those who that, for that parent who is taking their child in, they're like, it's RSV. What is RSV?
1: So RSV it stands for respiratory syncytial virus. Mm-hmm. And I think the answer is kind of in the name there. It's a respiratory virus that infects the syncytium or that, that, Lining of cells that lines the airway. Okay. RSV is a virus, and RSV causes a clinical uh, condition called bronchiolitis. Bronchiolitis is inflammation and congestion of the lower airways. Okay. So, RSV in and of itself is one thing, and a lot of people get RSV every year. When RSV leads to the condition called bronchiolitis, in children less than two years old, especially children less than six months old, they, the, Congestion and inflammation in the airways begins to overwhelm their ability to clear their airway and breathe normally. Mm. So I want to emphasize, and I think we had talked about this earlier, too, that a lot of different respiratory viruses cause the condition called bronchiolitis. Mm -hmm. RSV just happens to be one of the main causes and probably one of the worst causes of it. So.
0: Okay. I remember when my, my kids were young getting a, a diagnosis of bronchiolitis mm-hmm. and I knew what bronchitis was. Never had I heard of bronchiolitis or yeah. RSV. And so just having that definition and, and, understanding what is being told to you as a parent, I think is really important. And it just mm-hmm. gives you more to work from. And so be, maybe, maybe we're talking to some people or you're listening and you haven't even taken your child in yet what are the symptoms that are that are cause for concern?
1: Sure. So the symptoms that are cause for concern are a little bit variable based on age. Mm-hmm. So I would say six months and less, right? Kids who are primarily breast or bottle fed, the number one symptom that we normally see and the number one symptom for admission in a lot of cases is the congestion and respiratory difficulty that leads to the inability to take oral intake. Right. Okay. So they can't drink as much as they need to stay hydrated. Mm. And in addition to that, they're having so much respiratory difficulty that they um, can't clear their airways enough to breathe effectively. So those two combined are really what usually brings the kids in. Okay, It's one of two reasons. Either they're breathing. Uh, the parents typical concern is they're breathing heavily. They're not breathing effectively or they're not eating enough. Okay. Sometimes it's all three of those. Yeah. All right. Now as kids get a little bit older, um, we see a lot of nasal congestion, like I talked about, a lot of trouble breathing. We actually see a subset of kids that can have some wheezing associated with RSV mm-hmm. or bronchiolitis or any type of viral infection of the upper airway. And that wheezing sometimes requires them to have albuterol. It's almost like an asthma-like condition yes. that we call reactive airway disease. So this year has been unique and don't want to stray too far ahead in the conversation But this year has been unique in that the typical treatment for RSV is usually supportive care, and kids get over this in four to six days usually. It's its worst at four to six days, and after that period, it usually gets better. We're seeing longer durations now, and we're seeing more kids who stray into this reactive airway picture and require things like albuterol um, breathing treatments Mm -hmm. and steroids. Albuterol and steroids has never been considered the standard of care for treatment of RSV. In fact, wow. if you look at all the literature, they're like, albuterol and steroids does nothing. And for the most part, an uncomplicated RSV, that is true. All right, But we are seeing more kids, I feel like, this year where that has been beneficial or mm-hmm. that has been necessary. So the ability to see these kids in the emergency department and when they're admitted and actually kind of dive into that and determine which kids benefit from that and which kids don't has been has been good for parents, right? Yes. So I don't want the conversation to be or the impression to be like all kids need albuterol and steroids because that's not the case. Yeah. One of the things that your pediatrician, the emergency department doctor or us on the inpatient side in pediatrics can help you kind of pick through is, is this appropriate treatment for this for your particular child? Because all children are a little bit different.
0: Okay. So to expound upon that, since you brought up treatment, um, is there is the answer ever to not bring your child in or maybe not yet?
1: So, again, you know, the things that really bring parents in are um, concern because of the work of breathing, yes. right? And when we talk about work of breathing, you've probably heard this on either other news stories that you've seen or even from your pediatrician. We talk about what muscles are you using to breathe. Generally, yes. when you when a child breathes comfortably, there's nothing going on. You are not able to see their ribs when they breathe. They're breathing very comfortably. Yeah. They aren't taking big, deep breaths. You know, it's really not noticeable, right? In fact, you probably have never really tuned in to how your kid breathes when they're not sick. Yeah. When they get sick, you may begin to see, wow, you know, every time they breathe in, I see their trachea a little bit. I see um, a little bit of a dip begin to form above their sternum. If I lift up their shirt and look, I see big folds under their ribs, These what we call um, subcostal retractions. If I really lift up their shirt and look at their whole chest... Every time they breathe in, I see all of their ribs.
0: Okay. So these they're are... really
1: trying to take a deep breath. Exactly. Okay. Normally, the main muscles we use for breathing, right, are like the diaphragm. Mm-hmm. And we don't use all these muscles in the chest. But when kids get sick, they begin to use every additional muscle they can, what we call accessory muscles. Mm-hmm. So those would be the, the signs that your child's working very hard to breathe. Okay. That's the time, I think, to come to the emergency department and get them seen. Now, let's say that they just have some excessive congestion, maybe a little bit of a fever. You're having to do some nasal suctioning. Mm -hmm. Um, You're worried that they're not eating as much as they normally do, but they're still making a fair number of wet diapers. Mm -hmm. Right. I think that's a good time to consider calling your pediatrician. Have a conversation with the on-call line at your pediatrician's office. Mm -hmm. And they are very good about having a set of questions that they can walk through. How much are they eating or drinking? How many wet diapers have they made? Look at their breathing. Do you see this? Do you see that? And then being able to tell you, you know what? I think you're good to come in for an appointment tomorrow or or I do think you need to go to the emergency room or sometimes there's that middle ground where they say, you know what, I don't want you to wait till tomorrow. I think urgent care is appropriate. I don't think you necessarily need the emergency room, though.
0: Okay.
1: Um, One thing I do think is worth mentioning. If your child has mild symptoms, some nasal congestion, they're eating and drinking well, they're making wet diapers, I would really discourage people from coming into the emergency department simply to get an RSV test, right? Knowing whether you have RSV or not outside of major clinical symptoms is really not clinically significant because if you have those symptoms... Whether you're RSV positive or negative, you probably have some viral respiratory infection
0: yeah. and need
1: to be isolating anyway. Yes. All right. So I don't want parents to have the false reassurance that their RSV test was negative. Mm-hmm. So they're like, oh, well, great. You know, let's just go out and life as usual. Right. Yes. yes. Or to have this big um, weight on their shoulders that like, oh, my gosh, they're RSV positive. What do we do? Because yeah. honestly, if the symptoms are, are mild from a clinical standpoint, you stay at home, you suction the nose, mm-hmm. you get them to eat and drink and you're OK. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So what if you have a child who's a little bit older? They're Mm. not in that that niche age group where you typically see RSV or Mm. bronchiolitis. Yeah. Do you still come in? Is there still cause for concern? Do you
1: dismiss? Like, how would you approach that? Yeah. So it's an interesting question you asked there because almost 100% of children will have had one RSV infection by the time they're two years old, except for children born in the last three years because they have all (laughs) isolated at home. And this is this... Yeah. Um, COVID phase, of you know, of, of history where they haven't been exposed to a lot of viruses of childhood. Yeah. So we're seeing a lot of children who've never had that infection before or really a lot of re- viral respiratory infections. Wow. So there's some tuning of the immune system that kind of has to happen as you grow up. Yeah. Six to 10 viral illnesses per year is what we expect uh, in children all the way up to first grade. And we have a, a population of children right now who have maybe had zero viruses Goodness per year, right? Gracious. I mean, if you think back, like yeah, every parent was always saying in March of 2020 through the end of 2020, we weren't sick once this year, you know? Yeah. And now we have almost this kind of return to normal on steroids, right? Yeah. So you were asking about children outside of the norm, outside of the normal range.
0: Yeah.
1: The reason I talk about what I just discussed is because normally you will not get an RSV diagnosis in a child like usually over two mm-hmm. because they're not clinically symptomatic enough for it to matter. In most places will be like, oh, it's a viral illness. Continue to, eat, you know, push yeah. fluids <clears throat> and all that. This year, um, because we have a, a segment of children who have not been exposed to a lot of viral illnesses, um, I think they're being hit a little bit harder. Mm-hmm. Right. So their immune system hasn't been tuned, so to speak, to be able to, to, ramp up this response to this viral illness. And it's interesting, and I'll just say it's anecdotal for me, Mm -hmm. right? But here in this community, what I've seen this year that is different from what I saw in residency, which was really the last normal viral season we had, is that a lot of these kids are coming in um, with RSV plus flu, and we're seeing some post-RSV pneumonia, pneumonia, like bacterial pneumonia. Um, So that is a little bit different, Mm -hmm. all right? Uh, And the nice thing about us knowing that on our pediatrics floor and being able to share that experience with our colleagues in the emergency department is normally you wouldn't look for a post-viral pneumonia, uh, bacterial pneumonia in a lot of kids that age. It's not something that's very common outside of maybe a flu infection. Yeah. Um, But now we're kind of our our ears are perked up a little bit, so to speak. Okay. So that's not to say that every kid who comes in needs a chest X-ray. In fact, we're usually pretty conservative. When it comes to chest x-rays and radio, radiographic procedures as a whole in children. Yeah. But it's a conversation worth having. And I think it's something that our emergency department doctors, who yeah. are really overwhelmed right now, are taking into consideration. So I think
0: it's safe to say that it's serious.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And
0: and so prevention, what, what does that look like? How, as a community, can mm. we keep our families safe, our friends safe, our neighbors safe?
1: Sure. So I think it's important to mention that little kids less than six months old generally do not give this virus to adults, right? They don't have a strong enough cough or yeah. sneeze to give it to adults. And the reason I say that is not to say, oh, take your little kids out. It's to say that they get it from adults, yes. All right. So if the adults in your life or the older children, right, that you have in school, because I have a It's interesting. I have a nine year old and a 10 year old and a one year old, right? Okay. So, our nine and 10 year old, right, are catching viruses at school, which they would normally catch, and they have the potential to bring it home. In addition to the fact that I'm at the hospital, my wife's out in the community. So, with all that being said, if you are a sick adult, Right. You are the one who is going to spread this to children. Yeah. So the adults in our lives really need to take into consideration that if you're not feeling well, if you have nasal congestion, fever, viral symptoms, it's mm-hmm. not the time to go visit your your friends with children. Yeah. Right. And if you have children, it's time to really start washing those hands. It's yes. time to call in sick to work if you can. It's time to really kind of stop the spread all those things that we were doing during covid right mm-hmm. these um quarantine isolation stuff like that good hand washing yes right they clearly worked because we stopped spreading flu rsv stuff like that yeah so it's time to get back to a little bit of that if you're sick yeah the isolation guidelines are not nearly as strict right okay. we're not talking about quarantine for 5 days 10 days or whatever it's really till resolution of symptoms mm-hmm. but on the backside of that, I would say if you have children, especially young children less than two years old, yeah. definitely less than six months old, if someone comes over to visit it's grandmother, grandfather, uh, aunt, uncle, whomever, and they're sniffling, uh, you, there's no embarrassment or there's no nothing wrong about questioning them a little bit more authoritatively and saying, If you're not feeling well, I'd really like you to come back later. Yes.
0: You know, because it's so important.
1: Exactly. Because for you, this is a cold, but Mm -hmm. for my six month old, this could get us in the hospital.
0: Yeah. Um, I was speaking with a hospitalist this morning Mm -hmm. and, and she was just stressing the importance. Like, don't, don't kiss the babies. Yeah. (laughs) We, everyone wants, you want to snuggle them. You want to hold them. You want to get close. Um, and it's so vitally important right now to protect them. And so. I love that because that is something that we can do. Like, that's an easy step to protect those around us. Yeah. Um. So you did talk a little bit earlier about, like, what you are seeing in this com- community, but could you expound upon that a little bit? Like, how are we being hit here in Lynchburg, in Farmville, in Bedford, Danville, all of all of where, where we have our facilities? Gretna, How what are you seeing and what are you hearing from your colleagues?
1: Yeah. So in general, the children, two and less, come in with – um. RSV, pretty typical presentation, maybe a little bit more severe than it had been. Some are responsive to albuterol, like we talked about, have mm-hmm. this kind of asthma or reactive airway disease kind of component that we have to kind of pick apart after they're admitted, yeah. or we have to yeah. kind of talk with the emergency department doctor about whether or not this patient would benefit from albuterol at home. The other side mm-hmm. of that is these children over to, we're seeing a lot of co-infection with flu, yeah. and that's really what is landing them in the hospital. It's very, pretty rare, honestly for kids over two, certainly kids over six, to be so sick with RSV that they have to, that they require hospitalization. So here we're seeing a lot of co-infection with RSV and flu, all right? I think that's what's tipping our severity a little bit uh, over the edge as well. We're also seeing that, um, you know, our facilities that we rely upon for an increased level of care, right? Mm -hmm. Pediatric ICU level of care are overwhelmed, right? To the point where if we have a patient that we can admit we're actually admitting patients who are sicker than we normally would admit because we can't find bed space at other facilities that have pediatric icus wow all right so we're capable of managing that here we're safe to manage that here Mm -hmm. but it's also stretching our resources on the back of two or three years where the nurses and the the staff on the inpatient side have gotten a little bit used to a lower census right yeah um so you know we had talked a little bit earlier there was a lot of places throughout the country during covid that did not have enough productivity, enough patient admissions to um, maintain to keep their doors open. Right. Yeah. A lot of hospital systems closed their pediatrics floor. I think it's really a testament to Centra's commitment to this community that they were able to keep the pediatrics floor open in a time where it really wasn't as productive. But it definitely was a service to the community. Mm -hmm. And uh, the community right now, I think, is really reaping the benefit of that because we have this capacity to admit patients here in town.
0: Yeah. So we can take care of our community. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. That's incredible. Well, is there anything else that you would think would be important to relay to those who are listening today? Sure.
1: We talked about prevention earlier. There was one other component of prevention that I wanted to mention. Okay. Um, there is a medication called um, Okay. We had talked about that a little bit um, when you and I came. We had kind of emailed about information to share with the yes. community. It's not a vaccine for RSV, but it is a treatment that's very important for patients who may have, Significant illness, okay. and those patients are usually premature babies. Okay, mm-hmm. so if your child was born prematurely, less than 28 weeks gestation for sure, less than 32 weeks gestation, in specific circumstances mm-hmm. with a heart defect, rest, um, chronic lung disease, etc., mm-hmm. this is a conversation that's important to have with your with your pediatrician, and asking if that medication is right. It's a monthly injection. It certainly isn't – for the vast majority of patients, it's not the right decision. It's not something we would normally give. Okay. But as an element of protection for our most vulnerable population, those premature babies, yes. um, it should be brought up. The issue we have this year is RSV season started so early Yeah. that pavilizumab is not generally indicated until October. We were seeing RSV in um, – <laughs> really in July and August. Goodness gracious. So it's not generally approved by insurance until October through March. Okay. Um, But we saw it so early this year that a lot of patients who may have benefited from it were not within that window being covered. Still an important conversation to have. Um, If you're well, I would encourage you to call your pediatrician if you have concerns. Mm -hmm. Certainly don't avoid going to the ER if you have, if you're worried about your child's breathing, but um, also, I would encourage you to give the emergency department a little bit of grace, too, because they are so overwhelmed right now. Yeah. Um, and if you've been seeing a triage and they say that you're OK to wait, right, uh, please don't take offense to it. Just understand there's just a lot of sick kids right now. and We're trying to work through everyone we can. Yeah. And the waits are kind of long, unfortunately. Yeah, uh, it's another great interaction that we have with our emergency department, because our pediatric hospitalists, myself included, are able to go down into the emergency department and help kind of expedite care for some of those kids, too. So a really good resource. We have a lot of flexibility in our end. Um, Yeah. I know that I've kind of rambled off the subject, uh, off the question you asked, Mm -hmm. but Um, It's just a really unique community we live in and a really unique setup we have on our pediatrics floor to be able to take care of these kids. Yeah.
0: And there's an opportunity here. This is Mm. Lynchburg is such a great community where I, I happen to live, but I know I've heard this, you know, Bedford is very tight knit and some of where we have other facilities. And this is an opportunity to support your, your neighbors, to support those who these kids who are coming in and they're sicker than you. And so waiting a little bit longer sometimes could mean saving somebody else's life. And so, so that's a huge consideration. And in the moment when you're not feeling well, it is hard to remember Absolutely. that. And so that's a great point.
1: Yeah. And I will say, too, you know, you talk about our community taking care of each other. Um, this has been unique for us. We're getting calls for admissions from two and three hours away, wow. communities that typically would not have admitted to our pediatrics floor. But they've called four, five, six, seven facilities looking for a pediatrics bed yeah. and they're unable to get it and, and we're able to provide that safety net for them. Yeah. So it's been really, really neat. So like you said, I think if you're just a lo- low level of concern, but you're like, should I get an RSV test? Should I not? Yeah. I would try to decompress the system a little bit. Talk to your okay. pediatrician. If If you're mm-hmm. at all concerned about your child's breathing. The fact that they're not able to take in enough fluids and stuff like that, you know, by all means, we'll absolutely see in our emergency department and and the emergency department. will talk with myself or one of my colleagues to determine if admissions the right choice.
0: Okay, so so many great things to take away from this and to remember for those of you who are watching, um, pay attention to your body, pay attention to to your kids. Watch that breathing Mm -hmm. um, and then make a decision that's going to be helpful. You know, if you're not to a point where sickness requires coming in, stay home. But if you are, know what to ask about, know the questions to ask, know what to come prepared with. What symptoms are you seeing? And so thank you so much. I know that this is going to help us make educated decisions as a community. And as we're walking through this season, because this lasts through March, correct? October through March is typically when we see RSV. Now, July through March is what it's sounding like. Uh,
1: there's some concern on the on the side of a lot of pediatricians, a lot of pediatric infectious disease doctors, mm-hmm. that this season will, will last um, through March. Okay. Uh, so we're in uh, this for longer. the long haul. We are. I think it's going to be a couple years, honestly. Okay. I think we're going to be seeing high levels for a couple years as all of these children who... Are being re-exposed to these viruses or exposed uh, for the first time initial exposure are kind of getting their immune systems ramped up
0: yeah and impacting ages that just were not
1: impacted Uh, absolutely
0: okay well thank you and thank you for those of you who have listened in today we will be putting resources um from dr engel as whether as, as well as some of his colleagues out on our social channels for you to see, to just have some resources at your fingertips and stay healthy. We'll see you next time on Centra Scripts.